We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. We had a really interesting game this past Sunday versus the Eagles. You know, thankfully, we were able to pull out the win 27 to 24. Uh, Dustin Hopkins finally did something that, you know, very few other Charger kickers have been able to do, which is win the game for us with a game winning kick. So we'd love to see that. Um, but I thought there were there was one big takeaway from that game that I had. Uh, so the plan of attack is we'll talk about that big takeaway. We'll look into all the graphs, the data, all that fun stuff. And then we'll talk, just talk a little bit about the Vikings and like really what to expect for, from them. So my big takeaway from that Sunday game was the Chargers are good. They're a very good team, but they're not great. And they're not elite, unfortunately. And that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, the Chargers have holes that you know are tough to fix especially you know when we're already midway through the season um and i just don't know if they're going to be able to fix it in time for the playoffs if they're if they're able to make it even though they are on track to make it thankfully due to their um you know conference record and obviously un unbeaten in the divisions and they're on top of the afc right now um but the chargers are a good like a very good team and i say that because you know, they've beaten great or they beat, they've beaten good slash great teams like the Chiefs and the Browns. Um, but then they've, you know, struggled against the Cowboys and then the Patriots. The Ravens game was, you know, we can throw that out. That was just, uh, I don't know what that was. That was a fluke game. But they've struggled against some decent teams. And obviously the Cowboys are really, really good. But I don't know what they showed on Sunday with Dak Prescott back against the Broncos. But, you know, and then, you know, we the thing is, we've never had we haven't had a dominant team performance from start to finish. When I say dominant, I mean, if you look at the Bills, uh, that's another case to talk about. But if you look at the Bills previous games prior to the Jags and the Titans, I mean, they were blowing out teams like the Texans. Right. And the Dolphins. I mean, they just put the hammer down on them. And I'm saying this is important because I remember reading a football outsiders article which said the mark of a great the mark of a great elite team is not the strength of their wins or like the the teams it's not about how good the teams they've beaten are it's about how 
how much they've dominated inferior in opponents. So like elite teams will put their foot on the gas and just completely obliterate bad teams. So, you know, we look back, to, if you look back to that 2018 season with Philip Rivers and, you know, when, when we went to the divisional round, we never really had that type of game outside of that Arizona Cardinals game. Like we struggled against Jeff Driscoll and the Bengals. And then, you know, at the end of the year, struggled against the Broncos in Denver. And I'm seeing a similar trend where we just we're winning games, which is good. We're able to win these one score games, which is due to a variety of factors. You know, Brandon Staley's coaching, Justin Herbert's awesomeness. Um, but, you know, we're not dominating. And, you know, it's just that's one mark of an elite team that the Chargers just don't have yet. I don't think they've really ever had that. It just feels like every Chargers game comes down to the wire, which is it's it's tough for a fan, right? It's tough for fans like us where we know the games are coming down to the wire. And unfortunately, we play the Vikings this weekend. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later in the video. But that's kind of just my take that, like, uh, from what I took away from the game is the Chargers are a very good team. But because they cannot just dominate inferior opponents, because they can't, you know, sit like they can't beat opponents by more than one score, it seems like they just aren't a great team. And even that Raiders game where they won by two scores, dominant first half, terrible third quarter. And then they were forced to, you know, kind of rein it back, convert a couple of fourth downs in the fourth quarter when it, it really should never came to that with how good they played in the first quarter. So I want to see a dominant performance at some point by this team against whatever opponent it could be the it could be the Texans for all I care I just need to see that this team can blow out an opponent otherwise I'm only going to put them in that you know very low tier two high tier three range of teams um so without further ado let's get into some of the the graphs and, and visuals um this one comes from Ben Baldwin um you know if you don't follow him on Twitter already he's probably one of the best analytics people to follow Ben B Baldwin on Twitter uh, so this graph is looking at series conversion rates. So this is pretty much any time um, a, a team starts a new series. So they get a first down or they're starting a new drive. How often do they pick up a first down on offense? And how often do, I, do they let up a first down on defense? So as you can see, the Chargers actually convert first downs at about like a top three rate on offense, which is amazing. Like the Chargers always find a way to pick up first downs when they start a new series about 77, 78% of the time, which is amazing. Like that's where you want to be. The problem is they're also allowing first downs to be converted on defense at a really, really high rate. And it's, it's below average. Like they're in the bottom 10 for sure. So ideally you'd want to be up here with the bills or the Cardinals, but the chargers chargers are just not there yet. And part of that is because of the run defense. I've kind of been downplaying the notion that, you know, the chargers run defense isn't it's bad. It's really bad, but it's not as important as we might think. But I, you know, I admit to mistakes and I do think that the Chargers run defense is at the point where, you know, it's really concerning that they just can't stop the run and teams will continue to just run the ball down their throats as long as the Chargers can't stop it, which leaves the Chargers amazing offense on the sideline for longer. So, you know, main takeaway from this graph, Chargers are really good at converting first downs on offense, but they just can't stop opposing offenses, um, you know, when the defense is, is on the field. So that was uh, one graph I thought was super cool to look at. Um, another graph we can look at, you know, just looking at like how each quarterback has performed, you know, EPA is a great measurement and efficiency tool for this because it takes into account, you know, yards to go, win probability and all, all that great stuff. 
Um, and so that's a good measurement for efficiency. I like to think that PFF grade is also a really good measurement in terms of decision making. So, you know, PFF, you know, whether it's me or whatever, you guys might, you can give me credit or what, I don't really care. But PFF bros really like Justin Herbert this year. And I, I do think Justin Herbert's decision making has improved, you know, outside of this page, outside of the Patriots and Ravens game, he has made a lot of great decisions, hasn't taken too many sacks, hasn't put himself under pressure very often, which is things you love to see from a quarterback who's only in his second year playing in a completely new offensive scheme. So as you can see, obviously the, the cluster that Herbert's in with Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, and Tannehill isn't the best, but you know, PFF hasn't actually graded some of the best quarterbacks in the league that highly, like Josh, uh, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Stafford, Rogers, Bridgewater, like their efficiency has been better than what it's looked like. And I would say most of that is a product of the play calling or the weapons that all of those quarterbacks have. Um, I will say I do think Joe Lombardi called a pretty solid game this past Sunday. Um, you know, I, I was texting with Tyler and Steven about it. I wasn't a fan of the outside toss plays that were running, especially the one to Josh Kelly. That one was so weird, right? You guys can agree with me on that. Um, but I do like the process of why they were running those toss plays. And in, especially in analytics, you always want process over results, right? That's how I viewed it. Even if you fail, the process means more to me than what the results show for it. So you have Fletcher Cox, Hargrave, Milton Williams on the inside, right? Like that's a really solid interior line. You want to run away from it. You want to run, you know, behind Slater on the outside. And you, we have pretty good run blocking wide receivers. So getting Eckler, Kelly, Roundtree in space with the toss plays or the wide zone stretch plays, that's kind of where I was like hoping the Chargers would, you know, be able to do, uh, or that's where I want, that's what I wanted them to run. Unfortunately, they just weren't able to, you know, be successful in really any run play until the fourth quarter when Eckler broke off that like 14 yard run to set up Hopkins um, and his game winning field goal. But I do think Lombardi called a pretty good game outside of those toss plays and outside of those stupid wide receiver screens like like I'm not going to I'm not going to bash on on Lombardi too much. But, you know, that that uh, goal to go sequence in the first quarter on the first drive for the Chargers where it was first and goal wide receiver fade. Hate that. Second and goal inside zone right up the middle to Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Hate that. Third and goal wide receiver screen. I hate that even more because wide receiver screens are one of the most inefficient plays in all of football. And I've talked about this repeatedly on my videos and in my previous video with Tyler, uh, you know, talking about Lombardi. And then fourth and goal, they Keenan Allen ran a one yard out that wasn't even in the end zone. Like I think there's there's an awareness thing that I feel like Keenan Allen is one of the best receivers in the league at being aware of where he is on the field and he just wasn't in the end zone. I don't know what that was but really bad um, goal to go sequence there. Other than that, I thought Lombardi called a pretty good game. The passing concepts are really good. Um, and yeah, you know, pretty good game from Lombardi and Herbert. Um, this play, this graph shows like how often quarterbacks are putting the ball in harm's way. So the y-axis is turnover worthy plays as charted by PFF. And then the x-axis is the big time throw rate, which is kind of subjective. So I'm not sure how much you guys want to interpret this graph. Um, Herbert, though, he's he's been the fourth best quarterback at not putting the ball in a turnover worthy situation, which is really, really good to see because um, PFF has found that negative plays actually correlate better with negative plays the next year than positive plays correlate with positive plays the following year. So what that means is Herbert's negative throw rate 
from this year will likely be the same as his negative throw rate next year, but his positive throw rate throw rate from this year might fluctuate just a little bit. So Herbert, you know, not putting the ball in harm's way at a very low rate is really, really encouraging to see, especially in his second year um, as playing quarterback. So next, we, I want us to talk about, you know, some third down stuff. I think that the Chargers have done a good job not relying on third downs as much. Um, but even then, they've faced 108 third downs and they've converted third downs 5.6 times or 5.6% 5 5 over expected, which ranks seventh in the league, which is really, really good. You know, they're even when they're backed up or they're on third downs, they're still converting third downs at a pretty high rate. And if we look at their EPA for play on third downs, they rank sixth in the league, which is good. And I mean, if you don't think that's good, the, the top five teams are all probably going to make the playoffs minus the Chiefs. I just don't know what's going on there. But, you know, these are five of the best offenses, if not five of the best or the five best offenses in the league. So the Chargers being in that cluster is really, really good. And then lastly, uh, we talk about, you know, we just talked about the red zone stuff. The Chargers rank 14th in red zone touchdown percentage. Not the best, not the worst. Um, they have There have been a couple of bad breaks, you know, the Washington game and obviously this game against Philadelphia where they just haven't, you know, really done much um in the red zone or they just you know bad play calling yada 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 so um last thing i want to touch on about the eagles game justin herbert amazing game you know i thought one of the best games of his career statistically speaking in terms of epa per play uh, justin herbert had a 0 0.59 epa per play on that during that game which is amazing <laughs> and actually that ranks second in his career so far uh, number one is that Raiders game on Thursday Night Football last year where he averaged like an absurd 0.7 EPA per play. Um, the reason why Herbert had a higher EPA per play in this Eagles game is because he didn't take any sacks, which is not only a product of how good the offensive line played, but also at how good Herbert is at avoiding pressure and getting the ball out quick. Something that I really wanted him to see, uh, I, something I really wanted to see him improve on, you know, not taking as many sacks or hits and just you know, being able to make the right reads. I talked about it in my video with Tyler. The Eagles had, have one of the most vanilla defensive schemes in the NFL. So all Herbert had to do was find what covers they were in pre-snap and get the ball out quick, depending on, you know, what type of covers they were running. Um, he, and he did that very well just because the Eagles don't disguise their fronts at all. Um, so I have two more graphs I wanted to show, then we'll wrap it up, you know, talking a little bit about the Vikings. Um, so this graph is looking at the average third down distance on defense and pressure rate. So, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of Chargers fans have been concerned about is the Chargers, because they can't stop the run, they're, they're always in these third and short situations, which is kind of true. Like in terms of every single team in the NFL, the Chargers defense has faced the fourth shortest yards to go on third downs uh, in the entire season, which is kind of concerning. Um, given that the Giants, the Chiefs, and the Packers are one, are three, two, and one, respectively. Um, so, you know, seeing that the Chargers can, seeing if the Chargers can improve on early down defense is going to be vital just because, you know, they, they need to give Joey Bosa and Chenna Nwosu and all these pass rushers a chance to have these true pass rush sets instead of having to not only worry about the run, QB draw, or read options, or play actions. You know, they just want to be able to rush straight ahead because we know what type of pass rushers we have when it's just a straight rush and they don't have to worry about all these external factors. Uh, and, you know, another side thing to that is the Chargers are above average in pressure rate this year. 
not the best, but not the worst, you know, and I found that there's really no correlation between third down distance and pressure rate on every single down. So, um, you know, it's just, those two variables are pretty much independent. And then the last graph I wanted to look at is um, how every quarterback is when playing from behind in terms of EPA. So these are plays when the win probability is less than 0.3. Justin Herbert rank, kind of ranks near the middle of the pack. I don't think he's been in many situations when his win probability is, is less than 0.3. The only ones I can think of are really that Ravens game for the majority of the first and second half. And then that Patriots game when they went down by 10. Um, but, and maybe that Browns game for a little bit. But other than that, Herbert's been playing from ahead or he's been playing when both teams are favored during the game at like about a neutral rate or close to like a 0.5 win probability. Um, but I thought this graph was pretty cool to look at. Okay, let's talk about the Vikings just a little bit before we wrap up the video. The Vikings are one of the most confusing teams in the NFL, period. In fact, I think this matchup between the Vikings and the Chargers are a matchup of, there's two matchups within the matchup. It's Viking, Vikings versus Vikings and Chargers versus Chargers. What do I mean by that? I mean that both teams always find a way to make games a one-score game go to overtime or end on a game-winning field goal or touchdown or any type of play. Now, Chargers have been kind of lucky in one-score games this year, um, especially when it comes down to the wire or, you know, finishing with the ball. But the Vikings are, are one of those teams where, like, they'll have a really good game and still find a way to lose. And that's what it was against the Ravens. Like, their defense played pretty well. Their offense didn't turn the ball over, yet they still found a way to lose. And I think that's just how Mike Zimmer is as a coach. He wants these games to come down to the wire. He, he doesn't coach to win. He coaches not to lose. That's the way I see it. And last year, last four years, we've had a coach like that with Anthony Lynn. So I thought that was a, you know, a pretty interesting, this is a really interesting matchup just because it's two coaches whose philosophies are almost completely different in the way they coach. One is super aggressive. One is super conservative. Now, Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the league. The Vikings offensive line, you know, kind of middle of the pack, nothing really too spectacular. Darisaw and Brian O'Neill um, are one of the better young tandems, I would say. Um, so I don't know what the game plan is going to be for the Vikings if they come out to run. If we don't have if we don't have Davis or Asante this this week, do they um, choose to pass more with Thielen and Jefferson, one of the best wide receiver duos in the league, going against you know Tavon Campbell, Chris Harris, and Keemon Hall? I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know that this game is going to be a one score game when it's all said and done, just because that's how both of these teams somehow find a way to make every game a one score game. And I don't know if it changes, uh, if the Chargers run defense improves. I do expect Kenneth Murray to come back this week. So when this video goes up, probably on Wednesday or Thursday, um, you know, Kenneth Murray will know if Kenneth Murray is going to come back. But yeah, this this should be a pretty interesting matchup. And if the Chargers can find a way to stop the run and force Kirk Cousins to throw, it still might not be a positive thing because Kirk Cousins kind of is an efficient quarterback, but he's also kind of like he's kind of handicapped by his offensive coordinator and his offensive coordinator, Clint Kubia, kind of babies him in a sense. If you listen to PFF Eric at all um, on his podcast or on Twitter, you'll you'll understand what I'm saying by that, that Kirk Cousins you know, he hasn't really had a chance to just air it out like Justin Herbert has. But, you know, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, I do think Chargers should pull out the scheme against the Vikings at home. But, you know, we never know. Uh, football is a crazy game, as we saw this past weekend with almost every underdog winning every game. So, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you for watching till the end of the video. And with that, as always.
Hold up.